grab our Bibles, Matthew, the book of Matthew in chapter 20. The book of Matthew in chapter 20, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 20. We'll read down through verse number 28. Matthew chapter 20, and verse, we'll begin reading in verse number 20. And the Bible says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And when the ten heard it, They were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to open up your word. Lord, we thank you for the example that you have given us in your word. We pray that you would teach us from your word tonight, Lord that I wouldn't say anything I shouldn't, that you would communicate through the Word, Lord, and that we could leave here changed, and that you could work in our hearts, Lord, and we could be closer to you because of your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Did you ever play Army growing up? Have you ever played the Army game? Now, I know we have a lot of ladies in our audience, but if you had brothers, you probably played the Army game, and you had your guns and your camo. And it was important. It was so important that you, if you were playing army, even with your friends, that you weren't the bad guy. And so you invented imaginary bad guys. So nobody had to be the bad guy. It was also very important that everyone is well armed. So every pole, every stick, every stuffed animal... Everything that you can lay your hands on and that the childish imagination can bring becomes sophisticated weaponry so you can overcome your imaginary enemy. And these are all very important things. It was very important that you weren't the bad guy. It was very important that you had all the grenades from your sister's dolls that you needed or all your stuffed animals and all your weapons that you needed to win This all-important war. But most important, more important than who got the nice gun, the nice toy gun, more important than who had the better piece of camouflage, 
the better army helmet or whatever it was. More important was who was the commanding officer. More important was who was the one who got to call the shots and say which tree they were attacking or which set of chairs or couch in the apartment you were charging and trying to take. That was the most important thing. In fact, I know in my childish imaginations in our army that we had a multitude of captains or majors, even some sergeants or lieutenants. But you know what? There was a vast lack of. Just nobody showed up. Nobody was volunteering to be the private. Nobody was volunteering unless they were the little kid who didn't have any say. We said, yeah, if you're going to play with us, you have to be the private. You have, I get to tell you what to do. In, at least in my life, now maybe nobody else was this cruel or this arrogant in their army playing, this childish ambitions that they volunteered to be the private. They volunteered to be the corporal under command of their older brother and sister. No, in fact, if you look at it, most often you had five generals. You're you're a one-star general, you're a two-star general, you're a three-star general. So we're all together. And there was no, not even a non-commissioned officer. Why? Because it was important who was the commanding officer. During D-Day, I was reading... um, Years past, I enjoy reading military history, and there was actually a story about during D-Day, there was a parachute jump, and they, the Americans got so mixed up as the wind hit them, and the planes got mixed up because of anti-aircraft fire, that the soldiers, the paratroopers got mixed up all over the field. And there was one area, this one um, bunker kind of thing, where all the soldiers, it was covered, so they got... So they got there and they began looking around. They uh, turned on their flashlight and saw who was there. And there was like three majors and two captains. And that was all, everybody that was in this foxhole. And so instantly there became, okay, who is in control here? There's nobody, they were used to giving orders. And now there was just this group of commanding officers. And it got a little tense there. And why we often laugh at the pettiness. As, as little kids, we strove to be the important one in the army. Whatever. One person said this. It said, half of the harm that is done in the world is due to people who want to feel important. They do not mean to do harm. They are simply absorbed in the endless struggle to think well of themselves. And that's where a lot of people are, that we do not mean to do harm, but a lot of times we can cause a lot of harm, a lot of contention, a lot of things in our life when we seek to feel important. And that's in human nature. We all do it. We all, we all want to think well of ourselves. We all want to think that, yes, I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm not where I was. That must make me a little bit, you know, I'm doing better. I want to feel like I'm doing well. It's just human nature. It's what we do. Whether it's on the job, in the home, or sadly, even in the church, there can be far too many captains or lieutenants in far too willing private second class. Far too willing people willing to say, okay, I don't need a rank. I don't, not that we walk around and we put on our 
um, coat when we walk into church in the winter. We put stripes on our sleeves or we put stars on our collar so everybody knows how good a Christian we are. We don't do that. But sometimes in our minds, we begin to stack up our credentials as a great disciple of Jesus Christ. We tend to equate our ability to serve God with our importance, with our receiving of praise as succeeding. And that's where we come to our text. This is just before, just the week before Jesus would be crucified, just before the triumphal entry. Jesus had just finished telling his disciples, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. But the disciples had in their mind, entrenched in the Jewish mind at this time, was the fact that the kingdom was coming. It's very very important to get at this point. Entrenched in their mind was the fact that the kingdom was coming. Messiah was supposed to rule and reign. We know he will in the future, during the millennial kingdom that is coming that um, Pastor preached about this morning. We know Jesus will rule and reign in the future. But to the Jewish mind at this point, when Messiah came, He wasn't coming to die. He was coming to overthrow the Roman rule on them. They would be free again. They would be the nation. And they would rule with the Messiah. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, they were lined up for important roles in their, in their mind. And so let's, let's read verse number 20. Let's, let's work through the text and see what God is trying to tell us tonight. It says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. Right now, there is a lot of talk about the transition team and Donald, and President-elect Donald Trump. And who is Donald Trump going to pick for his cabinet? And who is picking who? And who is getting this position? It's all over the news. If you look at any part of the news, that is going on. Well, in the, in James and John's mind, the kingdom was coming. Jesus was going to be ruling. So they said, let's get our mom they played the mom card. How cheap is that? They played the mom card. And they went and said, let's get our mom to ask Jesus because we want to go ahead and start setting up Jesus' kingdom's transition team. We want to go ahead and start setting that up so we can be with Jesus. We've been with Jesus. We've, um, you know, we've served with Jesus. We've walked with Jesus. So we should have a pretty important role in the kingdom that's coming. In fact... Let's get our mom to talk to him. So here's Jesus and we're going to sit on the right hand and on the left. We're going to be the chief of staff and the secretary of state. And they're planning it with each other. They're, they're thinking they're really important. And they played the mom card on that. I, there was one time at school where I played the card. Not the mom card, but Brother Sam from the pulpit at a church planning conference had said, students can wear bow ties now. Because for a long time, students to class, the guys weren't allowed to wear bow ties for whatever reason. And so Brother Sam at one of the conferences said, guys, I'm right from now, I'm throwing that rule out. You can wear bow ties. So the next day at chapel, like 30 or 40 guys were wearing bow ties. Well, at that time, I was on the singing group on Witness 
And us guys begin talking back and forth and saying, you know what would be really neat? If we could get the music group at a church planning conference in bow ties. And so we begin talking, how are we going to do this? And I was talking with the, I said, if we ask Brother Aaron, he was the music chairman, he's going to say flat no. So I went and I asked Brother Sam, who is the president of the college, and I went around Brother Aaron's back. Yeah, I played. I played the card. It was the same idea right there. I decided, so they're trying to go around the other disciples. They're not willing to wait in line. We did wear bow ties. It was, it was pretty cool. The only group who's ever done that. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to go around. They're trying because they desire, they think if they can get this appointment to the cabinet, we might say, of Jesus' kingdom, they're going to seal their important status. In Jewish culture, the places on either side of the ruler, that was important. That was part of status. To have this position, excuse me, in the kingdom appealed to the disciples because of the glory and the reputation equated with it. They wanted to be part of Jesus' kingdom. Now, had they stopped following Jesus at this point? No. They were faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, this was James and John, who had been on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. They had been through G- with Jesus all through his earthly ministry. They had followed Jesus. They'd been serving with Jesus. But they wanted to be important. They wanted to feel that they were an important part of Jesus' kingdom. And how often... Well, we were, we're not trying to be necessarily an important part of Jesus' kingdom because we know that Jesus is going to reign later. We don't think that Jesus is going to reign right now. But we want to feel like we're an important cog in the wheel, that we have great value to what is going on right now, that we have importance to the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And each one who shows up to a service does have great importance, does have great value. But it shouldn't be about us. It shouldn't be about raising our own status and value in the work of the kingdom. And Jesus is going to take this moment and do some great teaching for all of his disciples about how a disciple of Jesus Christ should serve, how a a disciple of Jesus Christ can be a great disciple, How someone can be everything that they want to be in the kingdom of God. They were saying, Lord, we want to serve you more. And we think we can serve you better from this position. And Jesus is going to teach them, no, it's not about the position. In fact, Jesus is going to explain to them that there is a reality to following Jesus. That it isn't all about the coming kingdom and the reigning with Christ and the great and the glory and the, and the prominence there. In fact, he says, but Jesus answered and said, ye know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Jesus says, hey, wait a second. You got this a little bit mixed up. You're thinking about the kingdom and the power that's coming. You're thinking about reigning with me and the wonderful time that that's going to be. But there's something far in between that reigning and what actually is coming right now. In fact, 
if you had been listening, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. I'm getting ready to go through suffering. And we know from the rest of the New Testament where Paul was writing to Timothy and writing to Titus and to the churches that there's going to be persecution then and now if you're going to follow Christ. There's going to be suffering if you are going to be a part of Christ's kingdom. If you are going to be a part in His church, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be hard times. And Jesus was stopping and telling His disciples, Hey, Following Jesus, you know what? It isn't just all fun and games. You've got to submit yourself to where I'm going. You've got to get in line with where I'm going. And they say, yes, we can do that. We're willing to do that. Because we want to be with you. We want to follow you. You're, our, you're the Christ. But we also want part of that glory. We also want part of that importance. So we're going to be willing to do that. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Both James and John would eventually suffer martyrdom for the cause of Christ. They would give their lives for what they believed. But Jesus says, But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Jesus is saying, Hey, The position you're seeking is only for those who God has chosen already. There isn't some, well, if I do this and this, I get a higher status in the kingdom of God. There isn't, well, if I work really hard, there isn't a tier system in God's work. There isn't a system where one Christian is higher than another Christian. That's what they were going for. They were going for preeminence. They were going for prominence and importance. And Jesus is saying, the positions you're seeking, they're not given out like this. And then the other disciples, they come over. They overhear what's going on. And the Bible says, and when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. This isn't the point of the sermon, but it's here. And it's a great Jesus takes us as a teaching time later. The fact is, when we begin to seek our own importance, when we we begin to try to stack ourselves up as a great disciple of Jesus Christ, what it's going to produce is contention. The Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. And the ten disciples here, the other disciples trying to edge in, cut them off. They're playing the mom card. They're trying to get around them. And the other disciples saying, what do you think you're doing? They're coming over and there's, there's contention. There's frustration going on with these other two disciples. Because they said, you know, who are you to try to ask that for yourselves? We, you know, I mean, you haven't considered our great accomplishments as well. This also showed that the other disciples were hoping they might get that position. They were hoping that they would be qualified, but they weren't going to stoop to asking Jesus. They weren't going to stoop to that. But any time a disciple of Jesus Christ in the church, in personal relationships, in the home, wherever it is, any time, not even Christians, but any time it crosses the board, when someone begins to lift themselves up, it creates contention. It creates problems. When someone begins to think of themselves more important than they are, there's always contention that follows. 
And Jesus is standing there watching as he can see the anger beginning to grow. And he knows what's going on in their hearts, but he can see the contention growing. And Jesus says, time out, guys. All right, stop, stop, stop. This is not what my kingdom is about. This is not how my disciples should be behaving. We look at the business world. We look, we talk, they talk all about Wall Street and how it's um, just biting each other's heads off to get to the top. Or even in small workforces, even in small jobs, there's always competition of who is going to be the top dog. Who is going to be the, the four-star general rather than the three-star general. There's always competition. And Jesus says, time out, guys. This is not how disciples of Jesus Christ should be behaving. This is not how disciples of Jesus Christ should be trying to show how they serve me is by having contention over who is the greatest. Jesus had to constantly talk to his disciples and to us today about how we seek to be the greatest disciple. God has given man a desire to succeed. We all have a desire to succeed, a desire to be the best. But our fallen nature has corrupted this God-given desire into something that rebels against God to where we think that greatness or prominence is authority. Where we think that being great is being looked at, receiving praise. That where we're lifted up. But Jesus, through His grace, He's showing us and shows us through this text and all through the Bible that true greatness, where God wants His disciples to be, is a place of service. Where God wants His disciples to be is not great, is not in authority, but a place of service. Because here's what, here's what Jesus says. Let's read it. Verse number 25. But Jesus called them unto Him. Okay, guys. Teaching time, let's sit down. You guys aren't you are guys aren't getting it. Let me teach it to you. And said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. He's saying, You know how it is in the world. You know that somebody who has said that is a great person, it is because he's big, he's first, he has Authority. He is telling others what to do and they follow him. That equals a great person in the world. It, I'm not giving you rocket science here. This is something you know. You know that in the world, those, when he's talking about Gentiles, he's talking about the world. He says the princes, those of royalty, those who have a throne, they exercise dominion. They give the orders. They tell people where to go and what's going on. They are the general. They are telling people, yes, this is what you do. No, you can't do that. He says, and those that are great exercise authority upon them. The people who are the biggest, it is the the biggest dog wins. The one who has the most just charisma and personal strength is going to just tell everybody else how to do it. And Jesus says, you know that's the way it is. But, he takes the world's idea of what greatness is, what, what power is, and flips it 180 degrees and says, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, 
And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Following Jesus is not a position. Following Jesus is what a disciple of Christ does. It's what he does. Whether or not there's a position. And to teach both the twelve disciples and the disciples at the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, Jesus desires to change the goals of the disciples. The disciples right now, these two disciples and the other ten, because of the contention that's there, their goal is to have that position in the kingdom that's coming. Their goal is to be important in the kingdom. As they want to serve God. It isn't that they don't want to serve God. They, in fact, want to be great in serving God. They want to be good at it. In fact, they want to have the position of serving, chief serving God. But Jesus says, that isn't where your goals should be. That isn't what you should be seeking. That's what the world seeks. The world's celebrities and politicians and CEOs, they want people following them around, showing their greatness, showing that they have the world at their fingertips, that they speak and the world jumps. They want to show that. But Jesus' disciples are to seek greatness through service. By lowering yourself and serving others. Oftentimes it's easy to talk about serving God. And I'm going to serve God and I can do this to serve God. But notice what Jesus says, if you're going to serve me, whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Let him be your minister. If you're going to be great among the disciples of Jesus Christ, that means you have to serve the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's sometimes, what I said was sometimes easy to think about serving God, but it's a whole different matter when we think about serving the person who sits a couple pews ahead of us. Serving the person who we work with in the nursery. Serving the person who is the usher that day. Or as the usher, serving the other people And the greeter serving the other people who come in. Rather than ruling, a great disciple serves. He's a minister. He's the one who comes as a minister. He's under the orders of the other disciple. As a servant, he's given up his plans. A servant in this time would be similar to a slave. He didn't have the right to say, well, this is my day off and this is, I'm going to work in this way, this way, or I'm going to quit. No. As a servant, he had to do what he was told. He had to show up and he had to do whatever it was. And Jesus is saying, you have to have that attitude towards your fellow disciples. And we know the disciples didn't get it at this time. Because just a few short days later, who would wash the disciples' feet? Jesus would. Jesus would wash the disciples' feet. Why? Because the disciples, once again, were deciding who was going to be the greatest among them. And none of them were willing to submit themselves and say, you know what? I'm not greater than you are. I'm going to wash your feet. The washing of feet was the lowest job amongst servants at that time. It was the lowest job. The absolute lowest. 
And for one of the disciples to wash the other disciples' feet meant, I'm not as great as you are. I'm not as big as you are. I am lowering myself in front of you. And the disciples weren't willing to do that. But Jesus did. In fact, Jesus gives it, puts himself as the example Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. And what He's telling them is, Jesus' disciples today and now only can achieve biblical biblical greatness by refusing to seek our own glory and following Jesus' example of service. Refusing to try to add to ourselves and think of ourselves as, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm here in the church. I'm a full-fledged member of the church. I'm doing everything. I show up. I sing loud. I show up to services. I listen to the preaching. I even work in the nursery or whatever. Or work, in the, um, work as an usher or a greeter. I show up to all the services. But a great disciple must be a great servant. They must be willing to serve the other disciples the other followers of Christ around them. So if you want a cabinet position in God's kingdom, this is what God wants. A willing servant. Someone who doesn't have to be in a place where others see them. Which I'm not condemning anyone here. I'm not saying there's anyone in here like that. I'm not saying that the members of Open Door have a big struggle with this and there's just contention going on in the church. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying God knows human nature and He had to constantly warn the disciples against this. And so we are warning tonight, myself, everyone here tonight, that if we are going to truly follow Christ, if we're going to be the disciples of Christ that God wants us to be, it's in the role of a servant. It's in the role of submission. How Jesus puts Himself as the example. How it says He came and humbled Himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. The death of a common criminal. Jesus humbled Himself. The Son of God humbled Himself to that so He could save our souls. And God is calling His disciples to serve. Hey, you want to be a great church member? You want to be a member that is a leader in the church? Well, how about showing up on visitation? Even when the weather's cold. Doing what God has told you to do. Being a help to those who show up. Being an encouragement. Just saying a kind word. Just saying, doing something kind for someone else. We want to serve Jesus, but that means we must serve those around us. God's view of a great disciple is radically different than the world's view of greatness. And so often, we allow the world's mentality, the world's thinking, because it's all around us, it's around us. This is New York City, this is kill or be killed. This is, you know, so often as you go out, it's just absolutely crazy. The competition that's here. The rat race that it is. And the tendency is to allow that to creep into the church. Not because we want to. Just because the influence is in our lives. And it can get in. And can begin to creep into us. And we can begin to think, well, I'm pretty important. 
I lead the song leading on Sunday morning. I must be important. No. My job is to serve those that are here. Not just I am serving God, but I serve God by serving those I see around me. God said, if you, you cannot say you love God and hate your brother. That's impossibility. Because if you, if you hate your brother who you can see, how can you love God who you cannot see? I'm paraphrasing that, I know. But if you can't love those that are around you, how can you love God? If you can't serve those that are around you, how can you serve God? It's intertwined. A great disciple must be a great servant. During the Battle of Gettysburg, the pivotal battle of the American Civil War, if the Confederates had won the Battle of Gettysburg, they would have won the war. There would not be the United Nation that we have today. A little bit of history about it. There was the first day the Union were holding, there was Gettysburg Town, they were holding the high ground on this side of town. And the Confederates attacked and drove them. Just after a hard day's fight, heavy casualties on both sides, the Union retreated through town and up to Cemetery Ridge, where the Battle of Gettysburg over the last two days, including Pickett's Charge, would be fought. The reason the Union won was they held the high ground on Cemetery Ridge on the other side of town. That is the reason they won. But as a student of history I was reading, I came across this. That as the Union were retreating, there was much debate whether they could continue to, should continue to retreat or whether they should hold their own at that ground. And the Supreme Commander of the um, Union forces at that time, General Meade, sent one of his aides ahead, General Hancock, sent him ahead to decide where the battle was going to be fought, to try to rally the Union troops, to make sure that there wouldn't be a complete defeat, to try to hold it off so the rest of the army could come up. And Howard said, or Hancock, excuse me, said, well, General Howard, who's up there ahead of me, outranks me. What am I to do? General Meade said, you are in control. You have the rank. I am giving you that authority. You are over the battlefield. Go. So General Hancock went, and he saw this was the land they needed. He saw that this was where they needed to stand. And as he tried to begin to articulate what needed to happen, General Howard came over there and said, I am the superior rank. I outrank you. You have nothing to say here. Even though he had the authority of the commanding officer over him. And rather than fighting with him and creating dissension and contention, at the time of the battle, he said, this is the land I would pick if I were the commanding officer. And submitted to him, even though he had the authority to go over him. And because of that, the battle was won. Even though he had the authority to say, no, I have General Meade's authority. I can tell you what to do. That would have created contention at the very time the Union Army needed control, needed unity, needed command so they could set up. There were other battles in many wars where contention between the commanding officer of who was going to control it, who was going to get credit for this victory, ended up in defeat. Ended up because they were going to have competition. They, were, they wanted to be the important person. 
And when we do that, we create contention in the church of God. And we can cause, not necessarily defeat over all things, but we can cause trouble, issues in the church that don't need to be there. Meanwhile, if we would just simply take the road that Jesus has given us, submit, serve one another. That doesn't mean that we're to let people do wrong things, etc. Like that. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying, you know what? We don't have to be the important person. I don't have to be the one who's always right. We are to submit one to another. That's what the Bible says. We can truly have biblical greatness. Greatness in God's eyes. When we stop trying to seek our own glory, but follow Jesus' example of service and just serve one another. We don't have to be the important person. In fact, God says if you're important, that's double duty. That means you get to work for everybody else who's around you. Because a great disciple must be a great servant. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word, Lord. We just pray that you would use it to work in hearts and lives that are here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Just before we finish that prayer, we'll just take a moment. If you need to come forward and pray or just pray there in your seat.